when we're under pressure or stress and we're not capable of, of being aware of that pressure or stress and regulating ourselves, one moment you can be a very intellectual person and then the next minute you're a moron. <laughs> Hey guys, Jason Witten here and welcome to The Wealth Faculty, where we go on an adventure into the true meaning of wealth. I'm joined in this very first episode by my good friend and buddy, Marcus Pierce, and we're gonna dive deep into the psychology of wealth and the things that have maybe influenced the psychology of wealth, maybe your, your childhood years, your teenage years, getting married, having kids, careers, all that sort of stuff, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy. Jace, thanks for joining me on your podcast. I should not be saying, mate, I'm so pumped to be joining you on your podcast, Episode Zero, The Wealth Faculty. What a name. Mate, uh, I'm excited to get this going, mate. It's been mulling around in my mind and uh, my space for quite a long time. So, mate, uh, thank you for helping me facilitate it, brother. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, I love the name. Tell people why you have called your podcast The Wealth Faculty. Well, you know... I pontificated on that a little while and with the help of you guys and a few other people, I came out with the Well Faculty. Two dimensions to it for me, really, at the end of the day. One is your faculty, your mind. Uh, are you prepared? Uh, are you taking care of the faculty inside your world of influence, your mind, your capacity emotionally, mentally, physically to create and sustain wealth into the future? You know, we'll, we'll talk about this a bit later, but wealth is not only money. But it's your health, it's your relationships, um, it's your your career, it's all sorts of things, and it's not just one dimensional. So the faculty that you possess personally, with your mind, your body, your heart, your soul, what are you going to do with that? And then the second dimension for me is, it, it's a team sport. This is not a hand solo, uh, you know, or a Frank Sinatra experience. Wealth in any field, whether it's you know financial, health, relationships, career business, whatever that is, it's a team sport. And, uh, you know, the faculty of advisors who help you get uh, you on the right track, heading in the right direction, getting to the destination you want. It's kind of like two parts of that definition or understanding or melding of definitions together to really, um, you know, go on a journey, a bit of an adventure here. And I want to uh, up my game and speak to all sorts of other people, uh, you know, in the world about their, you know, what wealth means to them. Yeah, it's a great, I love how, um, for want of a better term, mature the definition of the podcast is because I think as people listen to the wealth faculty, you know, they'll recognize that wealth is not just about how much money is in the bank no. and how much you've got invested. And I think for a lot of people that already know you, they will see you as uh, a property educator or let's call it a real estate wealth educator. But for you, you really are educator full stop, aren't you? It's not just that it's real estate. You are really someone that loves to educate on anything. We're going to we're gonna dovetail into your certain, yeah. into your history. Yeah. But uh, from what I know, again, we've been friends for many years, but you know, you really started as a, as a teacher. Would you be kind enough to share people that background and, and then how you came to find yourself in real estate? There, I mean, a realisation for me, you, you talk educator, um, also on the other side of that coin, lifelong learner. Uh, and, uh, you know, motivated to learn things on my own terms as well. I wasn't necessarily academically gifted or inspired in, in a school sense, but certainly learning, teaching, educating on things more than just academics, you know. And, and uh, you know, I was speaking to you about the idea of I find it as an adventure to learn uh, new things, uh, you know, um, and go down a sort of a path where so I'm, go I'm going to maybe add a skill, add a, mm. you know, uh, or whatever it might be to my understanding or you know uh, observations in the world really at the end of the day but for me education has been um you know uh, for me being able to teach and help others as as far back as i can remember you know i've probably got this curse maybe the the <laughs> older brother curse or the older sibling curse you know and uh, you know i sort of you know either set an example and also want to teach others around me i was one of the oldest in my family and and um you know we had a large group of cousins and second cousins that I lived in a small town. But anyway, you know, teaching those uh, those guys, when I look back then, that was always part of my sort of makeup DNA. So the older brother DNA? 100%. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. Know, and kind of almost yeah. like, like, you know, leadership, um, yeah. you know, you know, the yeah. head rooster, whatever you want to call yeah. it, you know, oh, it was always yeah. part, you know, yeah. you know, leader of the pack sort of thing in, in that sort of space, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, 
comes from from that that world and and certainly for me um, I've always had the desire to help um, others right from when I first uh, you know I, I did a, a outdoor education course and program and I really wanted to help people you know experience and enjoy the wilderness and you know that was all from teaching learning and you know maybe uh, you know, helping others just find out some things that they didn't know about themselves, really, at the end of yeah. the day when you boil it but down. But you ended you know? up, didn't you end up, because I was driving in Sydney the other week, and I swear, I drove past a Knox Grammar School, and I thought of you straight away. <laughs> Wasn't that the school that you ended up at? Well, yeah, Knox Grammar School. So this is a really interesting thing, and, and you know, part of part of my journey really uh, hasn't been a classical journey in progression in career or business or whatever it might be. You know, uh, I didn't, I didn't, um, I wasn't very successfully academically at school, at school. Uh, I only just scraped by the the skin of my teeth. I, we wow. were I was talking about it with my kids the other day. Uh, it's called the TEE. It was called the TEE score, oh. Tertiary Entrance Exam Score, um, and it was Queensland based. So I don't think it was the same in Victoria. Yeah. You know. Um. But you know, the lowest score you can get is four ninety, and I got four ninety. Like at, below that was like uh, NA, not applicable, right? Wow. So, <laughs> and you know. Uh, I applied to go to the Air Force predominantly sort of so I could get out of the small town that I was in. I got accepted, but they said you have to finish year twelve um, to go and you have to have a TEE score. It didn't it didn't matter what it was, you just had to have one. So I literally scraped by like one point, like you know, the lowest possible score you could get in school. Right. Um, you know, and uh, you know, that was part of my journey. But really at the end of the day, you know, mentioning Knox Grammar School, for me, the start of my wealth journey when it comes to, you know, property, investing, money, you know, financial matters started when I was at, um, you know, uh, Knox Grammar School. I was actually there as a teacher uh, and a buddy of mine gave me a book called, um, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and uh, you know, reading that certainly set me off in a direction which was, um, you know, uh, where I find myself today, you know, after sort of 20 odd years of property investing in a very, very comfortable financial position, um, but you know, twenty years ago, that's where it started. It sparked the, you know, uh, sparked the juices of saying, "Hey, well, you know, I'm thirty now. Um, or I was actually a bit younger, twenty-seven or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, maybe I might take my money and my finances a bit more seriously than I have been lately. You know, it's it's fascinating because you kind of already break um, or really highlight one of those stereotypes right now, which is you know, I need to be smart, quote unquote, like um, school smart in order to become financially wealthy and you, you kind of break broke that rule very quickly you were not I can't believe you were almost in the F of school the way you say it like 490 is the lowest of the low that is uh that's mind-boggling not my, my it's, it's 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 inspiring more than anything yeah um well, it, and it wasn't from lack of uh intellect let's say because when I did join the air force uh I I graduated with high distinctions yeah. um it, so you know uh, it, it was probably you know, lack of uh, interest really at the end of the day, school in that yes. sort of very bored, you know, you know, very dry, you know, rote, rote learning. Oh, yeah. You know, it was just not me. And, yeah. um, you know, I had a girlfriend there. I went to school to see her, <laughs> you know, I played rugby. That was fun. <laughs> you know, I just, I did the least amount to get by. I actually enrolled myself in um, the, 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 uh, it was called uh, general mathematics. Yeah. Um, and um, it was the lowest maths you could, you could, get in so you know yeah. I didn't have to work too hard you know all of these sorts of things so you know um it, it was probably mostly at that point it just didn't engage me in any way yeah. shape or form and since then anything that I've wanted to learn you know since then it was like if I sink my teeth into something you know I can really you know get to the bottom of things and really understand yes. it but uh, you, you know, are an immersive personality uh-huh. and almost, I think almost obsessive <laughs> no but it's great I mean yeah. uh, maybe I say it's great because I am similar to you in that way but I think school does constrict you in that way doesn't it doesn't give you the same level of flexible uh, learning options that you get to do when you're an adult you go well I want to master this yeah and well and go. I found that I found that and, and and maybe you know maybe the the school system you know 30 years ago you know less dynamic than it is today but still you know that was part of my journey um, part of my inspiration uh, along the way you know uh, when I was at Knox Grammar School how I got to Knox Grammar School is I wanted to become a teacher actually like a, actually a proper teacher because I'm not a qualified teacher I worked at Knox Grammar School for five years uh, and I got into Knox Grammar School uh, and I got a job there as the general duties master so I used to run detentions uh, and and um, 
And because uh, no teachers want to run detention. No, no. Like, but who can we find to run detention? Well, yeah, this is the interesting thing. Yeah. It was it was fantastic. So you know, uh, I was a bit of a rat bag at school. You know, and I put a tie on and a and a jacket on, and everyone thought, you know, who's this young fellow come down the last shower? All the kids. Yeah. And you know, they couldn't pull. They, they can pull anything over me, you know, because yeah. I knew because I was I was them, you know, and and I really enjoyed. That was probably where I realised the educator in me, uh, and certainly a, a certainly a passion for helping young men. You know, I still believe that our our young men uh, need a lot more support than they get in our our our, our society, and you know, um, you know, for for me that that passion was ignited um, from education and and thinking. Well, what are the things that, you know, school does a great job at teaching mathematics or English or whatever it is. They've learnt to do that for a long time. But what are the things that aren't being taught? What are the things that, um, you know, are uh, uh, are being missed out on with, with the kids at school? And it really sent me in, in a direction, an interesting journey to, you know, discover a few things along the way. Well, let's talk about that. Let's go from the top in terms of wealth psychology. I'd kind of like to almost, you know, if we can start at the beginning. Okay, you grow up in Charters Towers in, uh, can we call that far north Queensland? Is it Far north Queensland. Yeah. Well, it's kind of far northwest yeah, Queensland. Queensland. So, yeah, you go west a bit. <laughs> so, and, and if we talk about that as a, as a way, because this is something that will come up a lot on the wealth faculty, and that is, you know, what influences our wealth psychology can you share with us some highlights from your upbringing and, and what impact you think that had on your other beliefs about money or beliefs on on creating wealth um because obviously you know from there it's become a really fascinating story but how did it all begin in, in charters towers well when i think back about um money and um material things material wealth in where i grew up um and certainly um i actually Spent half of my life a little bit further west of Charters Towers, a place called Pentland. That's where I grew up in my younger years. And then when we were in secondary school, at Charters Towers is an hour away. So Pentland was a very small town, like 200 people. Uh, it was a town which had seasonal work. So everybody worked at the meatworks for six months of the year, the abattoir. Yep. Uh, and even I, I mean, my first job was Offal Boy, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'd, and I loved it. I stood at the bottom of this chute, all this blood and guts come down. Sorry to the vegetarians <laughs> listening. But, you know, I th it, it was what I grew up with. Yeah. And, you know, I had a sharp knife and, um, you know, I cut things up and I got paid money. It was just like, how good's this, you know? I took uh, Darby <laughs> to the butcher the other day and he couldn't comprehend that there were lamb's brains and lamb's kidneys and all the rest of it. I was like, this is this uh, is it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That and, was your first job. And that was my first job. Wow. You know, and um, my mum worked there, my dad worked there, my uncles and aunties worked there, everybody worked there. Yeah, you like know? the whole town. That's the, the perfect the definition whole of town. the whole town. Yeah, and there was a few yeah. people who worked on the railway and there was a couple of people who worked out, you know, in the stations, you know, the cattle stations. But you know, it was all about the beef. It was all about the cattle. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember um, when I was going to school, it, it used to be called a port, not a bag or not a school bag. A port was like a like a suitcase almost and I had two stickers on there like feed the man beef and eat beef you bastards. <laughs> it was, was my stickers on my my little port that I used to take to school. I loved them. I was so proud of them, you know, as, as a kid, you know. So, but, you know. Uh, but but growing up in that environment, one thing I do distinctly remember is, um, well, there wasn't any money. Like no one mm. was wealthy or rich or had all sorts of flash things, uh, and I didn't miss it. Uh, yep. I, I didn't. There, there was no sort of divide in the town and so on. You know, there was there was other there was other problems as always is. It's you know yep. people wherever there's people, wherever there's, there's a people yeah. yeah wherever there's people <laughs> there's problems right. Yep. But you know, for me as a kid, you know. Like just because, I you know I didn't have a new bike didn't mean you know I was crying in the corner because I missed out. Like I no one had a new bike. Yeah, you, you didn't know? feel lack. You no, didn't feel lack. There was no lack in the town. And you know when we talk about wealth, is way more than just money. You know that town had you know a wealth of love and care for people in the town. You know like you, you could be you could be anywhere in the town and you know someone you know, would, would invite you in and say, hey, yeah. you know, yeah, I know you, young Witten. You yeah, know, parents could let their kids roam the streets because everyone knew who the Witten kids everyone were. Everyone was watching. Yeah. You know, I remember as a kid you'd come home and mum would go, righto. Yes. You know, I heard you were, you know, over there or there and you're like, what, how did she know? Like, you know, because the, you know, yeah. the, the rumour mill, one mum on the other side of town's watching and, you know, we think we're being smart, getting up to naughty things, you know, yeah. and then someone's watching it and, you know, th that was the wealth that I grew up in. Um, it's more a social wealth, isn't it? It's a social yeah. wealth, you know. Yeah. It was a village taking care of 
the the kids and and for me I, I think it did a great job you know yeah. um, I think that's why we connect so much as well because mm. we both have that high value in finding wealth through relationships 100%. and not just through bank balance so how has it matured for you over the years I mean obviously the seeds of that maturing process are definitely from a, an early age but how have you found that either change or grow as your life experiences have developed? How have you found your, your beliefs about wealth change over time? Well, certainly certainly the idea of material financial wealth has matured significantly. You know, for me, um, it's something that, you know, I really had to get my head around. You know, I remember distinctly the day I realised that if I, if, if I had the inclination, I could have actually went to university. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it wasn't in my mid, until my mid-20s and not that I wanted to, right? Yeah. But I was just like, wow, it wasn't even a conversation in my wow. in my childhood. Nobody wow. went to university. Went to university. Or it wasn't even talked about, right? Yeah. You know, th- that was what other people did. Um, so, you know, uh, it's matured over time and, you know, like, uh, you know, we chatted many times. I've, I've spent, you know, many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars in in personal development and learning and self-education over the years. Your wife counted as about a million dollars. I reckon it would be. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and um, you know, and well worth every cent. Well yeah. worth every cent. Because, you know, at the end of the day, um, if you want to learn something, you know, profound, you know, learn it about yourself and then, you know, the world looks a little bit differently. It's, you know, mm. we don't see the world. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Mm. And if we want to change the world, then we change ourselves first and then we can see it a little bit better, a little bit clearer, and then we can maybe decide to change it if we think we still need to, you know. And Okay, so do you think then, because again, if the wealth faculty is about, you know, broadening the conversation around wealth, do you feel like your real estate investment adventure or your personal growth adventure has broadened the beliefs around wealth more is it more like you you've been successful in your investment career and then you go well not is that all there is but uh is there more to it than just this or is it as you're going down this path of being a very curious being and you go oh my gosh i could go to university or i could do this or i could do that where do you find the maturing come from it maybe you might say that it's both but is it in the activity of investing or is it more the activity of or the adventure of learning more about yourself it's been a combination of both absolutely you know because uh, it, unless you do something that pushes you outside of your comfort zone, you don't learn much about yourself. There is no, there is no growth in comfort, you know. Um, uh, and uh, Tony Robbins says a very classic line, you know, like most people are living a quiet life of desperation until they die, mm. you know. Um, you know, in, in a zone of comfort, you know, it's comfortable today, you know, it's comfortable tomorrow. I know I, I would prefer the... Um, the discomfort of certainty or the certainty of 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 something unpleasant because I know tomorrow is going to be unpleasant because I don't really enjoy my life rather than, you know, the unpleasantness of the uncertainty of tomorrow. I have no idea what's going to go on. Like it's just yeah. so out of control. And, you know, for me, um, for, for better or worse, the first 35, 40 years of my life was all about adventure. Uh, it was all about um you know, pushing myself and and learning a lot about the world and myself. Like and and so to that, and that was the same with my investing and business and and property and those things. And it was more a, a, the adventure of it, the experience of it, rather than the outcome of it at that point in time. Now, as the as my maturity comes along, you know, uh, and I and I was saying this to you over lunch. Um, as some of those experiences have turned into some some uh, accumulation of wealth and money and and assets and things like that you know um uh you you approach things a little differently and Mm. you think well okay wow i I have got these things accumulated there are things that i you know uh that 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 have the possibility of being lost or or um wasted or whatever it might be not that's not necessarily the right words but you know you consider that now because before there wasn't anything at risk and you were going for for the interest and the possibility of uh, winning. Yeah. But now the possibility of losing becomes uh, almost, you know, pretty significant too, you know, and, yep. and, and and that's where that sort of, again, well, faculty in your own mind, you, how do you play that game? Um, 
and stay sharp and, and continue to move forward and not shrink away from from those things as you go. So I've found it fascinating for myself and you know I've sat across the table from thousands and thousands of people in Australia wanting to change their financial circumstances um, and you know heard the stories, heard the things that you know um, that have been holding the back or the successes or failures and, and I've always been fascinated by the the variety of those conversations. Let's go there because there will be people that listen to this podcast that are some at the very beginning. You know, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. And some have been that have been doing this for years. Um, you know, and like yourself, you said, been more than a couple of decades. What are the major challenges you find in the beginner phase of wealth? And we could talk specifically if you want to about real estate investing, but let's just talk wealth creation in, in generic terms. What do you find the major challenges for beginners as they go about this process from the start? Yeah, listen, the, I find the major challenges for beginners now probably more than, you know, in this last decade compared to the previous decade, so I'll talk about the last 10 years, is there is so much information now, the, the internet, you know, the, the WW, the worldwide of everything, right? Yes. Um, there's so much information. Um, it's, it's like analysis paralysis overload. How do you wade through all that stuff um, and come out the other side and take some action and not end up kind of like, um, I don't know, bitter or... Um, you know, or confused, uh, or confused, or yeah, yeah you know, yeah. It, it, so there's there's a lot, and um, so that's probably the base one. So do you find people that are at the beginning, you might make a, a set of recommendations or suggestions, but because they feel like they've got so many other options that they're bombarded with through mass media, social media, and the rest, find it very difficult to make that decision. Yeah, yeah. And how do you know? You don't yeah. know what you don't know. You don't have a compared to what you've got no, you've got no um, reference. Uh, and I always say I say this to a lot of people, like, like the the words coming out of my mouth might make sense, and you're an intellectual person, you're a smart person, you understand what I'm saying, but you don't get what I'm saying because you have no reference, you have no experience of the conversation we're having. Like purchasing I, a home, as an example, we can talk about if you've never done that deposit before, twenty percent deposit, yeah. yeah. You've never yep. done that before. We can talk and you can understand intellectually everything about it. Mm. But if you've never done it before, you don't understand anything about the it. The rush of blood to the head. Oh, uh, mate. Yeah. And, and what happens in, you know, this, there's science in this stuff. This is the stuff I love. Like, mm. you know, when we're under pressure or stress and we're not capable of, of being aware of that pressure or stress and regulating ourselves, you know, um, one moment you can be a very intellectual person and then the next minute you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and literally, and it's literally scientific fact. Chemically, yeah. you can't you can't even string two words together because yeah. your brain is shut down. Yeah. You're under stress. Your pressure. Your body's flooding your your your, your, your blood system with cortisol and <laughs> adrenaline, and and literally you're, you're incoherent. You're, you're incoherent. Yeah. And you know, many people haven't experienced that. You know. And, and money because they're, they're living quiet lives of desperation or comfort where they don't want to necessarily take a plunge. They say they do, like you said, intellectually, but but saying and doing it's like talk is cheap. Talk is cheap, uh, but also too, you think about this, you know, like okay, even if you graduate uni or you don't go to uni and you start trade something else, you know, somewhere in twenty something, you start to earn money, mm. right? Um, and then you go, well, wow, you know, this is awesome. Uh, you know, and, and the things you think about when you earn money is like, well, I can I can put petrol in my car, I can buy alcohol whenever yeah. I want now, I don't have to wait for anyone else, I could go. So you have this independence and freedom and you, you revel in that for a while, yeah. right? Um, and I did. You, yeah, you, you would have. Oh, like we longer than you. Yeah. <laughs> We've known each other too long. I'm like, man, how much money did I piss up against the wall? You know, you know. And yeah. then, and then at some point, uh, well, the people that I see anyway, not everybody, but the people that I see say, all right, well, that was fun, but I don't want to do this forever. Yeah. What else is there? What what else? What else can I do with my money? Mm. Right? And you know, there's a few choices. People go, that's it. Let's get married and and buy a house and you know, do the kid thing and hunker down for the next 40 years and whatever. Yeah. That's one choice. And then other people choose, well, I've heard about this investing thing. I've heard someone succeeded. Like somehow that thought pops into somebody's mind and, and then and then they start to discover um, the energetic uh, hold, emotional, mental, energetic hold money mm. has over you, right? Because it, it's an inert thing. It's a piece of frigging plastic for crying out loud, Right, but the meaning you put on money um, 
it just fuck, it just drives people insane. So some of us can't handle it. Like mm. you know, and one of the things that I've I've discovered over time, people spend their life now spend their time life to create um, money uh, from uh, time, knowledge, job, whatever it is. So the time of life they've given away, they have the money now. It, it's whether it's conscious or unconscious they don't realise the emotional power and baggage they put on that exchange. Um, and, you know, if, yeah. if you lose that money or something goes wrong, yeah. whoa. Well, if anyone listening has remembers the feeling of when your pay drops in your bank account or just a good chunk of money drops, it's such a much nicer feeling oh, yeah. than when the balance is going down. Yeah. And I think what, you know, I've obviously heard you talk about this many times before. People don't really think about how it's going down on their Monday and their Tuesday and their Wednesday. They think about the money coming in on payday, but they forget that the tax office took it on Monday and a large right. chunk of Tuesday, yeah, and we, depending on how much, you know. <laughs> they don't really see it that way. Mate, and, and we, when we're not, um, we're not encouraged to understand it like that, mm. right? So, you know, we Well, your colleague some, Sam Sager says we are socially engineered to be taxpayers. 100%. You know? that, that is, that is, that's the, the, the full social pressure. Mm. Be good, shut up, pay your taxes, <laughs> uh, and don't step out of line, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's, it's a, it's a control mechanism. It's a control system. Now, a lot of people, they, they do two things. They either stick their heads in the sand. That's too much to think about. Don't yeah. fucking blow me up, right? <laughs> Um, or, or what is that guy on? He's a weirdo, right? Whatever. Yeah. Don't, don't think of that. Or um, it's like, wow, okay. And then they end up down this frigging rabbit hole of other conspiracy theories, like all sorts of, you know, the world's controlled by this one person and he's the evil guy that, you know, and whatever. And, you know, which either one of those two things is completely disempowering and stupid yeah. anyway. You know, yeah. if, if you can, and, and one of the things that, you know, through my journey, I've been able to step back from it all and 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 honestly acknowledge that it, it's an it's an interesting game we're participating in, mm. um, and and you're bringing some shit to it, mm. you know, and and it's your shit that's going to get in the way of you getting you know something out of the game you're going to play. You choose to play the game or not, right? Yeah. You know, and and it has rules. Yeah. And you can't change those rules. Like you can't change the government. You can't change the banks. As an individual, you can't change any of that stuff. Learn the rules, play with the rules, understand the game. Well, let's bring positive real estate into this for a moment because, again, you founded positive real estate many years ago. And I said to you just last week, you know, uh, you're absolutely thriving during uncertain times. And you said because property is a complicated game. The rules are changing all the time. Like you said, whether you agree or disagree with what the government says or the lending criteria of the bank or this or that, you ain't going to change them as an individual. And so having a mentor, having someone to help you through it as, as you do with positive real estate, you help people from start to finish and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, because you'd see this all the time, everything you just said reminds me of kind of a, brought me back to the question I asked you earlier. Did you learn more out of your investments or out of all of your personal growth? So for people that are listening going, oh, I get this, but I've got so much emotional baggage I need to deal with around money, whether it was my upbringing or what I learned at school or my friends or the rest of it. Do you think that um, you actually, I'm not saying you go out and you just buy a property and you, and you learn and you figure it all out as you're going along, but do you feel as someone that coaches people through this that you can actually learn more about wealth and your own beliefs about wealth by actually investing? I'm not saying go and you know, spend all your money straight away, but you learn a lot from investing rather than just, you know, I'm looking behind you and you've got investment books all <laughs> behind you. Reading the books is not necessarily going to make a big difference until you actually feel the heart rate rise as you transfer five figures down as a deposit on a house or whatever it is. 100%. Yeah, um, and, and your valuation comes in low and the bank said they were going to give you money and now they're not and, you know, your tenants decided not to pay the rent. and Rich dad, poor dad, I ain't going to save you then. <laughs> hey, no, none of those yeah. books will save you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the personal development stuff is fantastic. It gives you an opportunity to understand what's going on. But unless you're out there pushing the boundaries in whatever chosen thing you're choosing to do, I chose investing, you know, uh, in that space. I chose starting businesses in that space. And and property investing and business have kind of like melded together as mm. as as a as a dual part of the journey. 
Those things are going to push you out of your comfort zone. The development work will be then put to the acid test, mm. right? You can go to the gym and get fit, but unless you take the rugby field or the netball field or you take unless you run on mm. the on the field, you ain't you ain't going to see if you got the skills. You ain't going to see if you can go the distance in the game or hold your head once once you get a big hit or you're behind on the scoreboard and you know, you got 10 seconds down and you've got to get that goal, whatever it is, whatever analogy you want to have. Um, theory is fabulous, um, but the, the, the action of actually doing the thing is where you really learn all the stuff. It's, 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 it's cliche, but it's, you know, the rubber hitting the road is everything, isn't it? That Absolutely. Is, that is the one. Yeah. This is essentially what this podcast, The Wealth Faculty, is all about, you know, combining those two, I suppose, uh, uh, belief systems, you know, into one to actually make it happen. Um, we've said it many times already that this is a broader conversation than just financial wealth and, and financial independence. Talk to me about how your world has changed from a, a family perspective. And, and then I'll, I'll talk to you about physical health because I know you're very strong on the on the physical health side of things, but talk to me about where wealth comes into for you from a, a family perspective. Well, listen, at the end of the day, you know, when you sit down and you think about, well, why am I doing this? Why do I get up early, you know, work long hours, you know, put extra effort in, you know, um, for me certainly, and certainly for a lot of men that I know, we're justifying those things about providing for our family, right? I'm cliche like that, you know, like, you know, yeah, me when, too. you know, when, when, you know, uh, Shay and I, we, we decided to, you know, get married, you know, um, fairly young, like not. How, young. how old were you? 26, I think it was, oh, yeah. or something like 20, yeah. 26, 27. I can't remember yeah. now. It's been 22 years married, 27 years Congratulations. together. So, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, three kids and whatever. And, you know, you just say, well, okay, now it's time to get serious, you know. and Play grown-ups. Uh, play grown-ups, exactly. Let's do some <laughs> grown-upping here, you know. We've got other, other people to, to sort of, you know, um, uh, to take care of. You know, for me, that's where the family uh, wealth came in. You know, and to be honest, I was doing a, a, a shit job of it. I, I spent more time at work than I did with my kids when, when, when they were young. And, you know, right now, you know, where I sit with that right now, um, it's certainly not a regret, but it's certainly something I would adjust a little bit if I could. If you, you know? had the wisdom at the time, I feel the very... The yeah. You're dead right. And yeah. it's a good way to have the feedback. Like, I don't regret working hard. And, and certainly with the help of, um, uh, you know, faculty members on, on my board, uh, you know, a fellow called Scott Harris, I'm going to interview him in the podcast. He was very influential in, you know, the way I made decisions in my life um, when it came to family and, and wealth because, like, he is one of my mentors. Like, if, if, if I think how, how – what would Scott Harris do in this mm. moment, he would always put his, his wife and his mm. children first over everything. Mm. All right? and, and so – you know, like now, um, I, I don't say it's the right. Like I, I probably wouldn't unless I had someone like Scott yes. saying, "Hey, some accountability, accountability, like, yeah. and also balancing it up a little bit, yeah. right?" And even if I chose not to, um, I, I would still have Scott in my ear about those mm. things, and and it's brilliant. And and for me, that's where I've been able to sort of find those people who are, you know, um, you know, amazing at what they do. They hold themselves to a high standard. You know, and I attempt to in the times that I can remember, you know, in that moment to say, well, you know, what would Scott do if he was here and, and guiding me and coaching me at this mm -hmm. point in time or, or others in this sort of space, you know. So, you know, for me, family is certainly, um, you know, a huge amount um, of my wealth circle. You know, at the end of the day, I spend most of my time and energy and resources in taking care of my family. Mm and then running my business and my investing. Yeah. You know, so those are the two massive And that's a, and, and that that order. I mean, that's what I've always respected about you immensely is in that order. Yeah. You know, like yes, and I think everyone listening doesn't matter whether you're male, female, if you're working and you are and you have family, not even children, but there's always a bind on a sometimes a daily basis where you're making decisions. I often say family doesn't come first dot, 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 unless in a crisis because mm. we get up and we, we leave our family, you know. But as you said, we say because that's how we feel that we're going to work for our for family, family yeah. and the rest. So there's yeah. no doubt that it's a bond, but I love and I've always loved observing the Witten family. You know, you're very dedicated to family, but it doesn't mean that you sacrifice financial decisions at the same time. It's no. being an and family rather than an or family. And, and, and you know, one of the things that has always struck me, and I can't remember where I, I, I read this or got it from, but... You know, it was. It's not about the quantity; 
but certainly about some quality. Mm. There has to be a little bit of quantity in there. You have to have some yeah. time because you, ha- you can't sort of rush it, but but certainly find quality times that you can do this yeah. stuff. And, and, you know, Shay and I, you know, we've always, um, uh, you know, scheduled and planned things um, with the family and the more children you've got and the more, <laughs> the busier you become, the, the more scheduled your life ends up being and, yeah. you know, you know, I, I hated the idea of having a schedule when I was very young, like a, a young man. But, you know, these days it's like, like let's just schedule it in. You know, yeah. date night on Friday nights. You yeah. know, I'm going to go climbing with Lily on Wednesdays for two hours. Like, I'm going to pick up Callum here. I'm going to go hang out with Jake there. It has to be scheduled in. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people feel like that's not, you know, sponsored. They feel that, yeah. They feel yeah. that it's restricting and too. To, what's the word? Curated. Curated. And, yeah. and, and for those listening in, like I said, it's bullshit. Bullshit. Like that's that's just you know spontaneity is is for people who've got fucking nothing else going on in their lives, right? Like seriously, you got two or three children, a business, a career, you're chasing something important. Yeah. Fucking hell, you have, your mind's not in the spontaneity moment, you know. Like you know, schedule that shit in. You know, you know. Spontaneity it, is when the restaurant brings you dessert when you haven't ordered, and you go, "You're beauty, you're beauty." Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Like, you know, and, and maybe because I haven't had lo- enough space in my life for spontaneity, maybe that's <laughs> naive in saying. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as long as as long as 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 you're happy and enjoying yourself along the way, you know, you, you got to make tweaks. You know, there's you know, not mm. not everything's so fucking better roses. Now, again, bringing our private conversations into the public, physical health is one is is a big thing. When we, you know, you and you and yeah. I have been talking about, you know, what's the use of having a uh, seven properties and being in the legacy phase of your portfolio. Uh, but, you know, being riddled with uh, ill health on 28, you know, daily medications and having no quality of life. Yeah. Uh, you're someone that I call you Dr. Ageless. <laughs> You've looked the same ever since I've known you. Um, but you're in good nick. You know, tell us about the the, the importance for of physical health in your life um, and how it relates to financial health as well. Well, I mean, my first um, personal development journey was in physical health health and right yeah yeah so you know many many years ago my first oh, weren't you a harvey diamond or a fit for life um, fit for life yeah yeah, 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 yeah you, you remember it, 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 it was my right. first self-development book i ever read was <laughs> fit for life right um and uh you know, I don't know see, see that was a long time ago, ago and, yeah. and I, I actually think tony robbins was part he of the loved, fit for life. he loved yeah, fit for life. Life. yeah he was right. recommending fit for life yeah yeah anyone that loves celery juice you know you're late you know it was fit for life to begin <laughs> fit with for life is killing it yeah and it that literally that changed my life because uh, uh, a very good buddy of mine. Um, he was actually in Amway. I joined Amway when I was nineteen. Yeah. Uh, actually, no. I joined Amway as well Did in my early twenties. Fantastic! <laughs> I loved it. I, it. I didn't do very good at the selling yeah, of the soap or anything, too, but yeah. <laughs> but I loved the books and I loved the community yeah. and I loved the learning because it was so different to where I grew up. It was interesting, you know. Um, one thing that um, I always knew as I was different. I wasn't like everyone else, and I don't mean that in a in an arrogant way. But I just I had a I had a notion that um, you know I don't think I'm meant to stay here. You know, um, some people grow up in the country and they love it forever, mm. um, and I knew I loved the country, but I wasn't meant to be here for like I knew mm. like I knew that from, from an early age, very early age. What age are we talking? Know? I don't know, three or four. Wow. You know? Yeah, really wow. early, really early. And it's interesting, you know. Um, I think one of the reasons that that um, uh, I'm actually very capable of, of of handling lots of pressure or stress is is I've been very happy living a life um, that had very little, like mm. you know, and and I don't say that in a negative way with my family because we had everything we ever could possibly desire: food, yeah. you know, roof over your head, loving family, everything. Like we didn't miss out yeah. on anything, but you know, um, others. Could potentially look in on that and and say, well, oh, well, that's not very much. But you know, at the time when I grew up, we had everything we needed. Yeah. There was never anything we missed out on. Um, and when I look back on it, I'm going, well, it was a very, you know, very um, simple, beautiful, amazing life. Um, but I know that that I was extremely happy. And you know, if I wanted to a stick and a stone and just go walk walk up up the bush and and that was enough, yeah. you know. And so for me. Uh, now I, I know that, you know, um, if, you know, the worst was to happen and everything was didn't go my way and the rules of the game, you know, caught me on the hop and, you know, I, I would be sad about the, you know, 
the the losing of the things, but it wouldn't be the end for me. Like that, like it, I I know that's not the end. You, do, you, you know what I'm trying to say there yeah. because. Um, I, I think the secret to this sort of stuff is kind of having like really low expectations on life, yeah, and being fucking. Well, delighted. Shakespeare said the uh, what the root of all expect the root of all heartache is expectations. Expectations, you but know? you know you wake up delighted every day. Yeah, I drive up my driveway in my house and like I'm not kidding you, fucking every time going fuck, really this me, yeah. you know, um, and some people might drive to my house and go, oh, I thought you were richer than this. I thought you could you, you had a flash of house. Oh, fuck man. <laughs> We're off from where I grew up. <laughs> this, is this place is a Taj Mahal. fucking Taj Mahal, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I have no other desire for fancier things. I'm, like I'm not, I'm not motivated by that material place or space. But yeah. you know, um, you know the the things that I've been able to achieve in my life are just mind blowing. Um, and I, I still feel I'm only just getting started. To be honest, you know. Do you think that's why you have such a large philanthropic? Uh, bent. I often feel like I have. I have. Um, what's the word? Let's say cynical friends that go. Why do your wealthy mates still work? Because they don't need to work. Like they will even look at you or Sam and go, Why do they still work? And I often think about anyone. Like, why does Richard Branson still work? And I often wonder: Is do you do you do this and do you feel this joy because of your upbringing? Like you said, it wasn't negative. You said it was very basic and it was simple, but it was still very wealthy. Do you feel like you're not into the bling and the Dolce and Gabbana and the rest because you actually feel a better use for your wealth? You know, you've built 16 schools, which you don't talk about anywhere. You don't talk about it often enough, but you build 16 <laughs> schools around the world. You educate, I think it's something like 30,000 children and the rest with all of the hard work that you've done over the years. Do you feel that your upbringing has been an influence on those decisions and that you don't try and keep up with the Joneses? Like, I don't think you've ever thought of... Uh, Buying this or that because someone else has it. It's no. just not the way you think. And, and it's almost to the to the antithesis, the opposite. It's like, <laughs> like I'm not going to buy that because that's what those wankers have, right? And, and um, you know, and I, and I think I was telling you, like, you know, you know, it, I had this little moment in my life, and and we, you know, when I was um, um, forty, I had my fortieth birthday, and 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 I was had a few friends around, and I said, listen, I, I felt like I made it when I could buy a thicknesser and. And those who are listening, and a thickness is like this really cool tool in it your woodshed. pornographic. Uh, That's why I go, what is a thickness? I, <laughs> I don't know what a, it is. You get this bit of timber, and you put it through, and it's like, wow, look at that. And Anyway, those who are listening, yeah, yeah type up thickness, wood thickness, all right? Like, you know, you'll see what I mean. But I, I could buy it, and it's only 500 bucks, and, and a really flash one, 700, and I bought a $500 one. And, and I, and, and I realised I could buy as many of those as I wanted and I hadn't bought one for 10 years, right? And I realised I'd sort of kind of made it in in my terms going, well, fuck, I can buy the things that I want, you know. Um, that, cool. And, and I was like, well, cool. But now what? Now what, yeah. right? You know, I only a, need one of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I only need one. I've got enough money to take care of my family really comfortably. Mm. You know, um, and just for the listeners and viewers, when you say your family, you don't just talk about your wife and your children. You know, you like to support your wider family, your parents, yeah, your, yeah. you know, everyone around you. It's yeah. not just hundred percent direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, um, you know, and, and once once I've got enough resources to sort of take care of the people that I love, um, you know, pretty comfortably, mm. then what? You know, like, and that's when schools came into it. And, and well, the rest? schools, you know, we had some nice schools for for the kids, but you know, um, I'm meaning the building of schools in other countries. Schools, and well, yeah, like I've always had that in my mind. Like you know, right from when uh, I was working at Knox Grammar School, uh, I thought you know Knox Grammar School is an amazing school. I loved it. It was just opened my eyes to what's possible in, in education um, and the camaraderie and whatever you know of a school like that was just amazing compared to my high school. Mm. Um, but still, there was lots of you know, shortcomings in, in education. And I was thinking there has to be more, especially for young men in education. And I was I was actually driven. Um, that was a very big part of why I started down this journey and went down the wealth creation space because I actually, I actually quit um, working at Knox Grammar School um, after I met a fellow called um, uh, Graham Crawford. And... Um, he, uh, I saw him on 60 Minutes. He was a South African fellow. 
he started a bunch of colleges in South Africa called the Crawford Colleges and um, very successful. It was a private enterprise. He started his own schools and that was the first person I'd ever seen, which inspired me no end, I'd ever seen they built their own schools. Do you, look what, yeah. you can build your own school? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, shit, that's what I'm going to do. So inspiring. I actually tracked him down. I actually, I actually stalked him for weeks and this is weeks. Before the internet. <laughs> well, I, I tracked him down. He was, he built a school. He moved to Australia. He sold, he sold out of the school stuff in South Africa because, you know, it was uncertain over there. He moved to, he actually moved to Sydney. I saw him on sixty minutes on television, and um, I'm going to get to know that guy. And uh, I found where where his school was for four weeks in a row. I went and visited. And I said, I'm here to see Graham. And they wouldn't let me in because they thought I was a weirdo. Wow. And then I, I I cut him off in the car park outside, Graham, Graham, Graham. And I, was, and I said, listen, I'm passionate about schools. I want to help. Like, what can I do? And he said, mate, you know, you've been here for four weeks. You're obviously passionate about this. Let's go and have a cup of coffee. And I said, mate, I want to build schools. Like, I want to I want to change education. I want to do something. You're, you're amazing. You know, teach me. Um, and like he's a super cool guy. Wow. And uh, one of the things I got from Graham, like, and I actually helped him um, look for school sites, uh, places to build schools. He said, "Listen, it's very nice that you're excited and energetic and stuff like that, but what resources are you bringing to do this? Because you actually have to have like some buildings, money in the bank, money. You got to hire some school teachers, like." Like, what are you bringing? Where's the resources? How are you going to facilitate this? Because a good idea and energy is not enough mm. to change things and make, you know, make a big move, like building a school in that way. Um, and um, so that's where, you know, I worked with Graham for a while and then I actually went down the real estate investing path with the idea that once I created enough wealth and money out of this investing and wealth creation – I'm going to come back to build schools. Mm. Um, and it was one of my, probably one of my darkest moments ever in my journey in this, um, you know, after the GFC, I had some business partner split ups. Um, we had had some investors money we had lost. Um, and uh, I, I really, I, I opened up one of my journals and, you know, had this passionate page about education and starting schools. And I looked at it and I felt I was so far off track so far off track, like, how the fuck did I find myself here? You know, it was a really, really, you know, almost desperate moment. And um, um, I was uh, on my way to Adelaide, actually, the next day because I had to go and do a presentation. And um, uh, I, was I was walking through the, uh, the airport and I saw a book just in the, in the book stand, like – just jump out at me and it's it and the title was leaving microsoft to change the world and uh, like and what do i know about i was, did, i don't even like bloody windows microsoft you know like it was like leaving apple to save the world i probably would have paid attention but i don't know why it caught my attention and i flipped it over it was and to change the world part for sure maybe change the world right yeah. and I, I bought this book um i got on the airplane i read the first chapter and a half like literally broke down in tears on the aeroplane. Wow. Called up, cancelled my whole day. I said, I'm not coming to the seminar. I'm not having any meetings. I locked myself in the hotel room, read the rest of the book, and then rewrote my next decade Wow. of, well, what does it mean now? What can I do? Because, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to interview John on the podcast too, John Wood, you know, Room to Read, Charity, like you said, you know, Today, you know, we're building our 17th school. We've built 16. We're, we've got our 17th school under construction. I thought I'd failed. But everything in that little set of circumstances set me up to pay attention to that book walking through that airport that day wow. and to change the direction of my life. And, you know, it's just, you know, it gives me goosebumps to think about it, you know. Yeah. For me... None of the other material stuff matters at all. The, my, my proudest stuff is, you know, creating three amazing children, you know, with a bit of DNA and a few... <laughs> <laughs> and, and shame. A, and a bit, of love, <laughs> a bit of love from the lady, you know. <laughs> you know, and then next it's the schools for me, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, But also to... Someone pointed out the other day that 
positive because it's an education business. We educate property investors. Like I've always had schools. Mm. I've always built a school. It's a school of it's real a school, estate. It's a school wealth, of wealth. It? Yeah. It's a school of development. Yeah. So, you know. Um, That's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you're dogged, you know, only in a box definition of, of the success. Sometimes yeah. it's a bit limited and, you know, it's good to have other people on your faculty look over the fence sometimes mm. and go, hey, maybe you should think about it this way, you know. Oh, I think, like you said, and I really look forward to listening or watching, depending on how you consume the wealth faculty, you know, members of your faculty coming on and being interviewed. You've already yeah. mentioned Scott Harris yeah, yeah. and yeah. John Wood, and there's some incredible 100%. guests coming up on the wealth faculty. Um, I have loved, I've known you for over 15 years, and I learn more about you every time <laughs> we chat. I want to just ask you a couple of things that people may not know about you to to wrap up this episode uh, before we crack into the next episode of The Wealth Faculty. Um, you love rock climbing? Yes. Where did rock climbing come from? Mad climbing. Well, listen, uh, started when I was um, 18 in Western Australia. A buddy of mine, um, uh, Junior, he introduced us to this uh, idea of rock climbing and, and bits and pieces and it took on from there. Yeah, I've been climbing since since then and you know, wow. these days I go you know, two to three times a week. You love it. Yeah. You love it. Yeah. Um, that's your cave time, isn't it? It is my cave time. Travelled all over the world, climbed many a rock yeah. here and there, yeah. climbed a few mountains as well. I'm not a. I don't. I, I don't like mountaineering. It's too cold and it's too painful. But rock climbing, you know, large walls, Yosemite Valley, all really? sorts of places all over the world. Yeah, love it. Wow. Um, all right, a couple of randoms. Favorite meal. Favorite meal. I'd have to say. I'd have to say tomato soup. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was not expecting that. Mate, tomato soup and a nice chunk of white bread with a with about an inch thick of butter on that. That's yeah, it. Oh, yeah. you are a man of simple yeah, pleasures. Yeah. All right. What about holiday destination? Holiday destination, mate. My favourite one all time: Queenstown, New Zealand. What a what a great what a great country. What a great right. place. It's got the mix of lake, mountains, you name it. Perfect for me. I love the mountains. Right. Oh yeah. Um. All right. Short and sharp. Morning or evening. Uh, absolutely an evening person when it comes to comes to uh, exercise, thinking, that sort of stuff. Morning, yep. I don't mind, um, you know, getting up and doing a little bit of light stretching and thinking, but, you know, evenings. Your, your, your gears start cranking yeah. in the evening. Yep. Yeah, a bit Good more work. of a night out. Um, sweet or savoury? Uh, certainly savoury. Really? Yeah. Oh, houses or apartments? Uh, I'm a big apartment guy. I like it. I'd yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Houses You're just thinking of life as your kids get older. You're thinking, <laughs> yeah. oh, this place I can't is wait so big. to ditch my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a biased one property or shares? Uh, absolutely, all day property. Rom com or action adventure? Action adventure. Apple or Android? Apple. We're surrounded Boom, by Apple. Android. Um, <laughs> beer or wine? Uh, wine. And one from. Our incredible videographer and creative, Marty Brooks. Chocolate in the fridge or the pantry? Oh, we said this one before, but I'm a chocolate in the fridge guy. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Jace, all the best with the wealth faculty. I personally cannot wait to tune in and listen to some inspiring interviews. Well done on everything that you've created, but more than anything, really can't wait for the wealth faculty. And uh, thanks for having me on your podcast to learn more about you. Mate, awesome. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us on the wealth faculty. Hope you enjoyed Make sure you subscribe. We're all good podcasts are found. You can find us there. And if you want to watch it, you can subscribe on YouTube, Positive Mentor TV. And until the next episode, take care. Bye for now.